framework, the structure of how I live, but it also, you know, empowers who I am and empowers um, my lifestyle, the way I see, you know, my values, um, my job, the way I educate, you know, all of these things. Uh, I mm-hmm. guess that's how I would see empowered spirituality, meaning that how, how the spirituality, how the religion, how the belief in God kind of mm-hmm. makes me who I am in the world. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Hello and welcome to an episode of Empowered Spirituality. My name is Samantha Nagel. It's such a joy to have you on with me today. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview that I had with someone named Netta Asner Minster. Netta is a Jewish modern Orthodox American Israeli currently living in Maryland as an Israeli emissary. She was born in Maryland and then moved to Israel in 2004, where she later served in the IDF in the IDF spokespersons unit. She did her first degree at Hebrew University, studying international relations and Jewish history. As you'll find out in this episode, Jewish history is her personal passion, and she hopes to continue working in this field, sharing the beauty of Judaism. In this episode, she gave some education about the different traditions and branches of Judaism, some of her own personal practices. She talks about what it was like to have her husband convert to Judaism and the things that she learned along the way, um, and much, much more. Thank you, Netta, so much for coming on, for all your emotional labor, for all of your wisdom, and everyone listening, I think you're really going to love this podcast. So without further ado, here is Netta Asner-Minster. All right, I am joined by Netta Asner-Minster. Netta, how are you? I am doing well. How are you, Samantha? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, so I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone, what you do, uh, your beliefs, your passions, just everything that makes you you right now. Um, so as uh, Samantha said, my name is Netta Asner Minster. Uh, I'm currently an Israeli emissary in the U.S., which means that uh, I represent the Israeli government for Jewish communities, specifically it's the Jewish community in the US. It's a unique position that I'm sure does not really exist for other countries, but it uh, allows me to teach Israel and Jewish content to a specific synagogue that I work with right now, and I'm currently based in Maryland. Um, I'm, as you could hear by 
the description of my job. I am Jew. I'm Jewish. Uh, and I'm a Jewish educator, Jewish and Israel educator. That's my passion. That's what I like doing in my life. Um, what else about me? Um, so I'm from Jerusalem, Israel. So that's where I'm originally, I'm from originally Maryland, but I moved to Israel when I was eight years old and I've lived there ever since. So this is me coming back to the community by chance that I grew up in. And I'm also currently married to John, uh, who I've been married with, been married to uh, for the past year and a half. Congratulations. It sounds like you got married right before the pandemic. You are right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems challenging. Um, That's wonderful. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Um, So you're a Jewish and Israel um, educator. Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, that's how I define myself or define what I would like to do in my future career. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? So it's kind of a lifestyle in a sense, but it also is, you know, um, deciding to do certain things in my life. For example, um, meaning when I'm talking to somebody, I'm explaining to them about my Jewish lifestyle or my Jewish life and why I practice one thing or another. Uh, and then I take every conversation opportunity as an educational moment, uh, whether it's, you know, recommending books or talking about why I do what I do and also learning myself the reasons of why of, of behind the practices. Um, I know that this is going to be coming out later, but we're approaching this holiday called Shavuot or Pentecost in, in English uh, it's starting this coming Sunday night. Uh, and it's just, you know, there's always something going on in Judaism. So you can always have what to teach, what to talk about. Uh, so that's what I use as educational opportunities. And in my job, um, I'm constantly finding ways to teach the community either about Israel um, with, with what's going on right now that there's tension at the moment. Um, I did, I, I shared a, uh, an email, a session and used that as opportunities for education. And finally, uh, a few months ago, I started using my own Instagram as an educational platform as well. And I've done that a lot more seriously. I post every single day uh, again, I, it's more educational and not really political. Um, and the idea is to talk about culture, history, um, you know, practices also, and adding spirituality to that too as well. I think is a big uh, part of that, or a big, I mean, is it, is a, is is definitely a component to that as well. Um, so I guess that's how I would say the education or educator comes out uh, in different aspects of my life. Mm, thank you. Um... I love that you're doing so much education and I'm wondering um, how is that um, how is that going for you or how is that being met um, in your environment that you're in? Uh, so I work in a synagogue. A synagogue, um, I don't know if you know or the listeners know, is basically a Jewish church, uh, I would say. It's the Jewish place of worship. Um, I work in a conservative synagogue. So there's different branches of Judaism. Uh, conservative, conservative Judaism um, is basically that they believe in the ideas of Jewish law uh, and which were created either by the Bible or um, the basics in a book called the Mishnah, the oral law, which was created in about the year 200 more or less. So they, that, the Jewish law is important to them, but they also um, very much believe in egalitarianism, that women are obligated as much as men, uh, and um, also being more modern in various ways. So they do make more decisions and um, have make more modern changes uh, compared to, let's say, the Orthodox, which maybe perhaps people have heard before are more, um, they're more, they stick to tradition more. Um, and I define myself as modern Orthodox, so I'm kind of somewhere in between those two. But I work at a conservative synagogue, and they very much believe or want me to be there, meaning I'm with a community that kind of wants to not be educated, but wants to learn from me. Um, and they have certain opinions or certain, you know, um, lifestyle and beliefs. And when I'm teaching about um, Israel or I'm teaching about um, history. Uh, I did a whole sessions about women in Judaism. Also, you know, it depends who your target audience is, but there's, but the community has um, about 1,100 families that are a part of it. So, you know, it really, from what I feel, it is met that um, pretty successfully that the people who are part of the synagogue and are active and want 
that um, knowledge and information come to it. They're seeking it out. Um, so I like the, I like my community, which is why um, I'm also continuing a third year, which is pretty unique. It's usually it's usually a temporary job um, that you do just two years and then you go back to Israel. And I decided to extend for a third year before going back to Israel. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's <clears throat> excuse me. It sounds like there's a lot of branches of Judaism. You're yeah. in the more conservative branch. Um, would you mind giving us? Maybe just kind of the rundown of the different branches. Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to do this very briefly. <laughs> um, so basically, up until the 1800s, you had just one kind of Judaism that people followed the Jewish law. And you have two mm. bases of Jewish law, which is, um, like I said, the Bible, the Torah, the um, five books of Moses and the mm -hmm. oral law, which the base is the Mishnah, which was written in the year 200 and the Talmud or Gemara, which was co codified in the year 500 more or less. So mm. um, Mishnah has six books. Um, the Gemara, I think has like over 50 tractates if I'm not mistaken. So it's, it's, it's more specified of the Mishnah. Mm. Um, and that was the base of Judaism up until today. And then about the year 1800s, there was this movement called the Enlightenment that, um, you know, you had people meeting in salons and talking about science and uh, philosophy and humanities, etc. And that affected mm. the Jewish people, too, who were in Europe. And um, all of a sudden, they wanted to become part of the general society. And mm. they didn't want the rules and traditions kind of um, putting them down. Mm. So then this, the movement was, for, was created called Reform. It started from Germany. And um, it started in the early 1800s. Uh, mm. And the idea was to be um, a German Jew so that they kind mm. of removed the importance of tradition. They, they still were in a synagogue. They still prayed to God. They still liked the holidays in a way, but they made, they made for, they were very modern. They dressed modern. They didn't look like the um, classic Jew we would see in New York with, with, with the black beard. And, you know, when we think of, a, of an Orthodox Jew, um, that picture in mind, they wanted to get away from that. Mm. Um, they wore modern clothes. They made the sermon, the main part of the, the, the prayers and not um, the prayers themselves. Um, they removed the language that we did. It wasn't Hebrew, it was German. And mm. um, I mean, and then they, and they wanted to make their day off Sunday and not, not Saturday, like, you know, we have currently. So basically mm. we're doing a lot of changes in order to make, to make themselves the modern Jew. And that's mm. changed to today, but um, that's where Reform Judaism comes from. In response, um, Orthodox Judaism was formed as well to really say, we're sticking to the tradition. It's really important to us. And, but the term Orthodox really was formed then because it was in response to Reform Judaism. So Orthodox Judaism um, really tried to keep those, the, the Jewish law, be more strict about it um, and maintain the tight-knit community uh, that was kept the oral law and the traditional law as well. And then in the mm. States, um, that is where conservative Judaism was formed. And basically they thought the reform went too far and they still like the tradition. So they basically found this in-between situation where they keep the tradition, but they still believe in a few changes. The main one being equality between men and women um, regarding obligation to the Jewish law. Mm. Um, so that's a breakdown. And there's another movement called Reconstructionist, which is really small, um, but those are the three main ones. You have Reform, Conservative, and Orthodox. Um, and mm. I myself identify as modern Orthodox. So the Jewish law and the practice is really important to me. But mm -hmm. um, for example, I don't, I'm married and I don't fully cover my hair. Um, you know, mm. I, I'm more exposed to the modern world than um, maybe, maybe a, quite a lot of Orthodox people are and I mean and I'm, and I'm yeah. a little bit more flexible in various ways if that makes sense yeah no that makes sense thank you for um all that emotional labor that you just did to explain <laughs> to us um I am curious you're talking about it sounds like it is both um the different forms or branches of Judaism to decide how they're going to follow the Jewish law as you said but then also it sounds like it's a personal preference as well. And, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just curious as to what that was like for you to navigate um, 
melding your traditions and your beliefs in with a more modern world? Um, okay, so that's a really interesting question. So I grew up um, modern Orthodox, meaning mm. my family is pretty open. And uh, to be honest, I'm now more observant than my family. Mm. But um, in Israel, after high school, you go into the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces. Uh, uh, our military uh, is mandatory there just because of security threats that mm. um, are in the country. So I did not, I wasn't in combat or anything. I served in the spokesperson's unit, but mm. being exposed to, you know, society, the modern world variety of people kind of made me question, um, you know, this path I'd been on up until that point. You know, I mm. wore a skirt um, to the army because I, I never wore, I never wore jeans until um, after I finished my army service. Mm. Um, that's not, not that my mom or like no one was against it, but just, I was in this yeah. path of being modern Orthodox and that's just something that I never felt comfortable or, you know, did before. And mm. that like being with a variety of people from you know, different groups in society kind of, uh, again, made me think about that more. And I tried various things like not keeping Shabbat. So keeping Shabbat, um, there's a lot of very various rules to uh, Shabbat, which is our um, Sabbath Saturday for us. And um, as an Orthodox Jew, basically I don't do any work, um, don't cook and also can't do, um, don't turn, don't use electronics basically. Mm. So we have to keep lights on. Um, I don't use my computer or my phone on Shabbat. It's 20, it's 25 hours basically. Mm. Um, and so I, I didn't keep Shabbat. Uh, and I tried that for once. I would also, I would use my laptop on Shabbat, for example, and for various different things personally. Mm. And I started dressing differently, meaning I did start wearing jeans. I wore sleeveless, um, which mm. I wouldn't do anymore. Um, but it was funny because after, um, the army or during or towards the end, I received mm -hmm. this book from my dad. Um, it's called The Great Partnership, and it's by someone named Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, um, who passed away a few months ago. And uh, I didn't realize how much he influenced me until he passed away. Um, he, he passed mm -hmm. away on Shabbat. Uh, wow. And I found that on Saturday night that he passed away and I just burst out crying. Mm -hmm. But um, maybe we could talk about more about that afterwards. Um, sure. And I read this book and the book talks about how science gives us the how, that science explains to us, the modern world explains to us how things work, you know, and, and the specifics, but the religion gives us why. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, if for me, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and uh, I think it's if as somebody who's Jewish or religious and, for me, it makes sense or it gives meaning to me why the world exists. I don't, I don't question that for myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And reading the book, though, clarified to me about why I love Judaism so much or why I like practicing it so much, what kind of framework it creates for me. Uh, but also that I love, you know, the modern world, the science, the culture, the people mm -hmm. learning, you know, what, what the world has to offer and that I can combine the two for mm. me um so you know there's a whole additional <laughs> level to it because um my husband converted so when i met him he was not mm. jewish um and we as we started our relationship i told him if you would like to if you would like to actually have a relationship with me you would have to convert and we started this whole process together and i became more observant along with him while he was converting so mm. um i've strengthened you know who I am in my religious journey personally. But I think that book was really uh, a big moment where, where things change and also John's conversion, his name is John. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that kind of defined like who I am, that, that connection of, mm -hmm. I very much believe in the tradition and the importance of it and how much I wanna educate about it. The other hand, I very much believe in what the modern world has to offer. Um, and for, for a variety of things, you know, I, I love watching yeah. TV shows and I, John loves doing jujitsu and watching sports games up, you know, to, you know, sci anything that has to do with science, university, everything that like, has to do with the modern world today. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that great answer. It sounds like, um, 
you really had to go on that path of self-discovery to see what your boundaries were, what you wanted to explore. And I think I really love that you said all that because it shows that you can make decisions in your practice or in your faith and then make other decisions. I feel like people think like when they're looking for a church or when they're looking for a religion or practice, they're like, I have to find the thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's a lot of pressure. And, and your story really shows how we navigate that as we go. And I think that's really special. I think it's also that, you know, spirituality and religion generally are a constant journey, meaning mm-hmm. you, know, you can make a decision and it fits me right now in this period of time. But depending on where I live, you know, who I become, certain changes in my life, I might change, you know, certain opinions might affect that as well. And, you know, it's just never think that it's set in stone, that it's it's basically Mm. a journey. It's something that always moves and changes. Mm. Yeah. What a great point. Thank you. Um, And you, you are in Maryland right now in the United States. Um, You're from Israel and eventually you will go back there. Um, It's okay. Yes. Um, So it sounds like your work is in the synagogue. So you're in a very, you're in a community that supports you, but you are in the United States, which isn't, it's more of a Christianized society. And I'm just curious how that has been navigating your faith and your beliefs and your, um, your certainty, I guess, in yourself in, in an environment where maybe doesn't support you outside of the synagogue, if that makes sense. No, it's a really interesting question. Um, so when I, I lived here until I was eight years old. And so I didn't really feel that, you know, I, I lived in the U.S., but I was also in, in a very, you know, insular community that I went to a preschool. I went to the synagogue. I was with my family. So I didn't really feel, you know, that the U.S. community outside of that. But and I was surprised when I came back in the summer of 2019 you know, things that stood out to me. Uh, one mm-hmm. that I, 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 there was a lot that I didn't know. I didn't know what Trader Joe's was, for example. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had to find all these different stores that you get from one place this, you get from another place something else. Um, but also the fact, I think that what really I got used to in Israel, that it's a Jewish state. So it goes according to the Jewish calendar, meaning mm-hmm. that when there's a Jewish holiday, all the supermarkets are prepared for that holiday. You have, you know, sales for things because of that holiday. Um, the streets are celebrating, even though the majority of people in Israel are secular, but they're Jewish secular, right? So mm-hmm. they're also marking the holiday in some way. And yeah. you're off automatically on those Jewish holidays. So yes, I'm off on those holidays because of where I work, but I'll give you like, the best example is um, the holiest day for, for Jews is Yom Kippur. It's um, a fast day that happens around September, October time, depending, it's depending on the Jewish calendar. Um, mm-hmm. It's the holiest day of the year because on that day, we believe that the Jews are marked and sealed and signed for that year um, mm-hmm. in, in various books. So the book of life or the book of death and the book of um, uh, like, uh, I was trying to think of the word in English. <laughs> I'm now thinking of the Hebrew, um, you know, livelihood and, you know, various things like that, um, yeah. and blessings, etc. So in Israel, there are no cars on the street, the complete, like none at all. It, everyone knows that today they're at home. There's people who might be bike riding, but the kids are mm. bike riding the streets because they know there'll be no cars. Um, mm. and then here, it's a normal day. And so there's cars, people are going to restaurants, people are acting normal. And I said, in my mind, I'm saying, don't they know it's Yom Kippur? Don't they know it's like this really important day? And that realization was kind of hard. Now say another thing that's been um, difficult is I'm used to living in Jerusalem and having, I keep kosher. That means that I will only eat at a restaurant that um, was certified as kosher by an mm-hmm. organization, meaning either a rabbi or an organization that approves that a certain restaurant or items are kosher. Most mm-hmm. big companies are marked, like most companies in the supermarket, whatever, they're, they're kosher, but restaurants are a big issue. So I was always used to, in Jerusalem, being able to eat at whatever I want. And then here mm-hmm. I'm very limited. Um, yeah. And I'll say that it's more difficult because the people who are with me or are my friends are not as observant. So 
They're navigating about where I meet. When do we go out? I keep Shabbat and they don't. So that's mm-hmm. been um, a bit difficult. Uh, but again, you know, I, I stand behind my decision, meaning I know yeah. that I chose this lifestyle for a reason that I believe in it. And I, I love the framework it gives me. I love that it disconnects me from the world for 25 hours that I get to read, that I get to walk and experience the, the world um, and just look around yeah. and not be always on my phone or taking pictures and focusing on rushing and rushing. So yeah. that's sometimes so hard because when other people are living differently and taking, you know, the Jewish holiday next week to travel. And for me, it's three days home. Um, mm-hmm. It's a hard, it's a hard experience to just to mm-hmm. take a step back and realize that, you know, I made this decision for a reason and stand behind mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, and it sounds like your, your last couple of points were really a lot about boundaries and setting yeah. boundaries can be so difficult. They're obviously difficult with people who are very different from us, but we expect those to be difficult and setting boundaries with people who may believe or practice similarly to us, but not exactly the same can be, I don't know. It just feels like an extra tricky layer. So I'm just curious if you have any advice and not even for people that are Jewish, but for people with any kind of religious or spiritual boundaries that they need to set or want to set when it is so difficult to set them. The, the advice is, is that, you know, you should never be embarrassed with mm. what is your, you know, religious boundaries um, or mm. the things that are important to you. Uh, and you should really stand behind them because at the end of the day, if somebody is criticizing you or looking down upon you because of that, there's that person is probably not somebody you'd want to really hang out with or be your friend Uh, and people who appreciate that or understand that are people who you know will understand that they they need to arrange to meet with you another day or that they can make an effort to you know contact you in another way shape or form you know Mm -hmm. there are solutions like I so I don't go eat in a restaurant with you but I'll go to a Starbucks or I'll go to an ice cream place or we'll go on a hike together. Meaning there are solutions, you know, you don't have to be in a box because like you can't go out in a restaurant with me, right? Um, mm. Or that we can go out on a different day, even though I can't go out with you on, on Saturday. Um, so that's just an example for me, but I think yeah. generally, I mean, I, this is for life in relationships in you know, friendships, you, you, you have your own boundaries. I think it's super important. Um, also because it defines who you are and makes you so special mm, yeah. but um yeah it's not be basically like I said not to be not to be embarrassed and really stand behind it because uh it just makes you a stronger person that's my opinion mm, yeah so true thank you um and that's really what empowered spirituality is too is not feeling ashamed of what you believe in and what you practice and and I love that you said that about boundaries too that it really a good boundary that protects yourself will also protect your circle and and let you know who's there for you and who will support you. So that was such a great answer. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No, no, thank you. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned the book, The Great Partnership, um, and that that book really opened your eyes to why you love this religion and why you love your practices so much. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on, on the things that you love and the things that you like. Uh, about my religion? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Judaism is, is a lot of rules. I mean, Orthodox Judaism has a lot of rules um, mm. about, you know, what you can eat and what you can't eat. What days uh, can you drive or not drive? What days are holidays or, or not? You know, you have one day a week that you, like I said, that you're prohibited from a bunch of things. So mm. for somebody from the side who can do everything and anything, it seems bizarre, you know, why are you putting all these rules upon yourselves? But there's also a lot mm. of values. Uh, it's the idea of, of rest. It's the idea of um, charity. You know, there are multiple, like there's holidays that are about sitting around with the family around the table and eating together. And there's a thought that there are families who can't afford to have that meal together. So, you know, you have an obligation for a lot of Jewish holidays to give charity. And for me, those are the days that I will give, you know, a sum of money to a place that I um, admire their work. And Mm. I often try also to give place that's near me to feel that I'm helping the community. Um, But, you know, additional values are, are, you know, 
the value of community that, yeah. you know, we support one another, we're celebrating things together, um, whether it is, you know, a birth and there, when you're 12 or 13, you also have a bar bat mitzvah, which is becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. It's also a Jewish ceremony and then a wedding and also when people pass as well. Um, that mm -hmm. whole, you know, Jewish, hmm? <laughs> that whole Jewish uh, livelihood as well. And uh, the idea, you know, of God too. Um, mm -hmm. and, and his presence um, that kind of is very much a part of the spirituality, the reason we, you know, pray three times a day, the reason, you know, we, we do certain things um, has, connects to that as well. Um, it connects to those values too, uh, the 10 commandments, all of that as well. So mm -hmm. even though it's kind of prohibitive in many ways, for me, it creates that a framework that I very much mm -hmm. admire and believe in uh, and mm. I mean, I mean, of course it's biased because I, I was born this way and I grew up this way and everything, but, mm. um, it's something that I very much value. It, it gives a lot of meaning to my life. Mm. Yeah. And I like that, that you said it could seem like rules to some people, but to you, it almost seems, I think you used the word framework or structure. So yeah. it sounds like, yes, there are things that you can't do, but there's a lot of things that you get to do. And I think having that distinction in, in our heads can be so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you grew up this way. Your husband, John, did not grow up this way, but he did convert. Um, yeah. So you you had the unique experience of, of growing up with your background, and then you got to see him stepping into these practices. And it sounds like that even strengthened your own faith, which is super cool. Um, but I'm curious, what maybe you learned about John's conversion and, and his coming to the faith and, and how that would, what you would tell someone who is new to Judaism? Um, and so someone who was interested in Judaism, you mean, or? Yeah, yeah. Interested or um, just starting their practice. Okay. So, So John really came without knowing anything about, about Judaism uh, mm. and maybe a little bit because he was on an Israel trip. That's where I met him originally, mm. uh, but he did not know how to read Hebrew. He did not understand like what it entails. And I think the important thing to understand or the thing that kind of he related and connected to a lot was the, the tradition and you know, I always I don't know if you know the movie but there's this known movie called Fiddler on the Roof it's also a Broadway play um, yeah. and there's the song in the beginning that goes tradition so yeah so that and I always every time I say the world tradition the he the Chaim <laughs> Topor the actor like starts playing in my head and I start hearing the song so it's very yeah. much that but it's that we've been practicing the same thing for quite a long time that you read the Bible text you read the Torah the five books of Moses and you see that you're practicing things that you know mm -hmm. that's was written there um and this yeah. is very strong tradition that's been passed from generation to generation um and i mean i think that's a very you know meaningful realization about judaism um mm. and also that it's you know step by step type of thing that meaning mm. he went through his conversion he didn't immediately become an orthodox jew it was you know taking one step at a time and, and coming to jewish communities coming to um, visiting families understanding how they practice and he started mm. by you know going every shabbat every saturday he would go to a family and kind of see how they practice he would meet with mm -hmm. the rabbi and learn about one practice or another about praying about um various jewish items you have to that, that are around the house and everything um so i honestly once you want once you have reading the hebrew down the being able to read prayers and understanding how the Jewish calendar works, meaning what the Jewish holidays look like, then you pretty much have a good grasp of Judaism. Oh, that plus and kosher, meaning mm. the, what you can eat and not eat. So once you kind of have an understanding of those three things, uh, then you pretty much have a good grasp of Judaism. Um, mm. I think there are a lot of TV shows today that kind of give you an understanding of what it could it might look like, even if they might not be exactly depicting uh, Jewish life. But um, even though there's a lot of itsy bitsy rules, once you understand, you know, 
again, Jewish calendar, Hebrew, and understanding the prayers, uh, and I forgot, that, and, the, and, the, and the Jewish community and everything, and you kind of have a good grasp of what uh, Judaism is um, mm. and the power of it as well. Mm. Those, um, the first thing you kind of mentioned was that he, um, it felt so sacred to do those traditions. And I, I got chills when you were saying that you're reading this ancient sacred text and seeing that those people in that text are doing what you're doing. I feel like that's just such a beautiful way to be in connection with your community, but also in the past and really honoring the people who came before you. So that feels so beautiful. And I'm so glad you said that. Um, and then I was reminded of something you said at the beginning, which was lifestyle. And, and a lot of the work that you do is teaching people about the Jewish lifestyle. Um, and it does sound like a lot of this isn't just a religion. It's not something that you do one day a week or an hour a day, it's something that you truly encompass and embody. Uh, and I think that is so special. That is really special. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's funny you say that because it's so true. You know, there's a prayer you're supposed to say when you wake up, there's a prayer mm. you say when you're about to go to sleep. Um, and then, you know, you pray three times a day. And every time you're supposed to, you take a bite into a food, you say a short blessing beforehand. Or every time I go out of the bathroom, I say a blessing, thanking God that allows me to go to the bathroom. So you're constantly thinking mm. about what you're thankful for, or you're constantly, you know, doing something that has um, Jewish meaning. And again, mind you, this is modern Orthodox mm. meta uh, saying that. So I, I feel it all the time. Um, but yeah, it really is a part of my whole entire day, and which is mm. a really interesting concept because I don't think I think. I, I don't realize it, but I know for many other people, it's not so present all the time. Mm, yeah, mm, that's beautiful. Um, you had said something that I want to touch on. It completely oh, left my head. <laughs> no, 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 it was totally me. My head went, look. <laughs> um, I'll move on to another question that maybe we can come back to what I was thinking. Um, you mentioned the tension in Israel and um, I know that that affects you in a very unique way because that is where you will live and that's where you have lived. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I, I would see that it would also affect people who live there currently and then also people who have never lived there um, but have emotional or spiritual ties to that community or just people who feel attached to things that are happening in the world. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious kind of what your process is of self-care while also staying involved and aware? Because I feel like that's a really tricky, um, a tricky balance to have. Um, it's very raw right now. So you're asking upon a question that I'm kind of answering right now for myself at the moment. So I'll say yeah. the past two days, I have not been able to properly work. I've constantly mm -hmm. been looking at my phone uh, looking at social media posts, I probably should have just <laughs> ignored instead uh, and trying to be active myself and speak up and stand mm -hmm. up. I think that a lot of times um, there's a feeling of being shut off um, mm -hmm. that Jewish people and Israelis feel that mainstream media don't, um, I'm going to say, I feel this, this is my personal opinion and I'm not, mm -hmm. I know other people think otherwise. Um, the mainstream media don't really share um, truthfully to what is going on yeah. from the Israel point of view. Yeah. And that's my take on it again. So it's really difficult uh, to feel that. And for me as somebody who's very much involved in Jewish history and care about it, it just seems it's like a continuation of Jewish history of Jews being that group and they're discriminated against. And so it's a, it's a, when I deal with the, with the news, it's a very emotional thing also because of, you know, what I care about, obviously my family and my friends who are there, but also yeah. that passion for Jewish history and Jewish culture and tradition. So yeah. um, it's been very hard. And I'll even say that I had friends who um, are in central Israel and Tel Aviv area, and they texted me because they knew I was Israeli and knew that I experienced this before. I was, I just drafted into the army um, in 2014, mm -hmm. the last operation happened. So I was in central Israel the last time rockets were shooting over that area. And mm -hmm. I have this vivid memory from my service. And I always say this is the most vivid memory from my service of a rocket 
above my head and then intercepting with the Iron mm -hmm. Dome. Um, and then only when it was intercepted, then the siren went off telling us we need to go into the bomb shelter. But looking up and seeing that above my head is something that I vividly remember. Anyway, so these friends reached out and told me mm -hmm. that they're scared and nervous. Um, mm -hmm. If I have any tips or messages. And on one hand, I feel, you know, proud that they that they reached out to me and were comfortable asking that I'm able to help them but it's also really hard because I'm on the other side of the world and all I want to do is give people a hug and be able to invite them to my house and we could be together and I'm on the other side of the world so those are very like, hard feelings to deal with and that I have been dealing with the past few days and with mm -hmm. self-care I think it's important to understand and this is a very Israeli mentality too life moves on you know, mm -hmm. next Sunday is a Jewish holiday. We're not gonna change, we're not gonna cancel it. It's not gonna be mm -hmm. taken off the calendar because of what's going on, it's happening. So we're gonna go shopping, we're gonna prepare. We're gonna keep working because we need to make a livelihood. We're, our kids are gonna keep going to school. Um, mm -hmm. uh, mind you, there have been places the school was canceled, but there's this mentality that we wanna continue life. We don't want mm -hmm. the fear yeah. to let us stop. So I very much tried to take that mentality. I put my phone this morning away for a few mm -hmm. hours. Um, yeah. just to not have that negative energy. Mm -hmm. I reached out, you know, people who were reached out to me and said that they had a difficult time. I asked to see how they were doing um, today mm -hmm. and if there's any change and update and they're feeling better. And, you know, hearing from them, hearing that they have found solutions, that they are feeling better, that last night was better than the night beforehand uh, was, was, you know, saying that we're moving in the right direction. I hope that the situation on the ground actually reflects those feelings as well. But, um, I guess those are my ways for self-care. And also I will say that mm -hmm. I, I eat a little bit of sweet too. <laughs> um, not, I don't, you know, super eat, but like, you know, a little bit of ice cream helps as yeah. well. It's like, you know, I, I, I eat a little bit of ice cream. I watch um, a comedy show and that kind of helps me disconnect from what's going on. I think it's mm -hmm. necessary also. I think the big thing is the put your phone away. You know, mm, yeah. put that aside, allow yourself to kind of take a break and take a step back. Mm, yeah, thank you for sharing all that you shared. And I know that um, there must be so much trauma. Um, yeah. And I, I really appreciate you um, sharing so candidly about that memory, that really vivid memory that you had. Um, and I would like to invite you to take any any space that you'd like in this moment to share anything that you feel called to share, or we can move on. I don't want to put uh, that emotional burden on you as well. Um, I think the only thing that I want to say is that I think when coming into this subject, um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, there are a lot of emotions. You know, if mm -hmm. you have a friend who's on either side, then there are a lot of emotions involved, and there's nothing. There, it's not black and white. You know. There's people mm -hmm. who have done wrong on both sides. There's violence on both sides. Um, at the same time, it's important to take a step back and understand the context and you know the history um, mm -hmm. and really understand the, the sequence of events. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think like the best thing that I could tell people is if you really care about it or if you have a friend or something of the sort or people on both sides, then yeah. really the opportunity to educate yourselves and learn and read different news sources, read news sources that will annoy you as well. I think that's the way we educate ourselves, that we find a mm -hmm. middle ground by exposing ourselves to, you know, the variety of different people. Um, I saw yeah. the post that annoyed me just because I wanted to see what they, people were talking about. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I was speaking to a friend and we kind of were, we were sharing, you know, why would they say that? Why does it make sense? You know, going into actually the other person's shoes and trying to see it from their perspective. And that kind of allowed me to take a step back and then understand where I am in the story, but also understanding, again, how complex it is. So I think that, you know, that's just a big message for life generally, but also specifically, right. specifically for this issue. Um, it's just very gray and nuanced and complicated. So if you're interested about it, that's awesome, but, you know, be responsible about that as well. Mm, mm, thank you. And that's such a good point too, that um, looking at different news sources that are on both sides of the spectrum so that you can not feel angry uh, and enraged, but to educate yourself and maybe even have compassion for that other side of you, even if you don't want to 
uh, involve yourself with that point of view. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you for allowing that, for giving yeah. the space. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and then you had mentioned too the systematic oppression of Jewish people. And I was wondering if there was anything on that topic that you'd like to share. Um, otherwise, we can move on as well. Um, I wouldn't call it systematic oppression. That's not the right terminology. Um, I'll just say that there's, um, I would say like violence, terrorism, that's towards uh, Israeli population and, and Jewish people um, in mm. Israel, uh, and in and, and, and a conflict. So that's what comes across most often is the terror attacks and violence. Um, it's definitely, I think oppression is a wrong terminology in this case. Um, there's a dispute uh, and you know there's different ways of trying to be solved through diplomacy and there's been many attempts for that. But um, unfortunately, there's been many cases of violence and terrorism. Uh, and I think that needs to be um, exposed and shared and talked about. So again, a lot of history involved, you know, from 1948 and various peace plans that have been offered and why haven't they worked and et cetera. Uh, but it, it, it often comes down to, you know, diplomacy and then violence instead or violence and terrorism instead and that back mm -hmm. and forth basically. Um, that's again, very basic terms, but um, that's how I guess I would define it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Um, and thank you for correcting my language too. I apologize if, yeah, I apologize just in general and thank you for correcting that. Okay. <laughs> I understand it's like sometimes we see a term and, you know, we apply other things and I yeah. So I understand also where it comes from, but I appreciate also having the opportunity to express more and explain as well. No, yeah, I appreciate you doing it. So thank you. Um, so we are nearing the top of the hour. Before I get to the questions that I ask everyone, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Anything that we skipped over that you'd like to make sure you cover? Um, I think there's the one thing I want to say is that Judaism has so much to offer. I didn't even talk <laughs> about this, but um, there was another movement in the 16th century called Hasidut, um, which was very much like spiritual Judaism, mysticism. They believe, you know, that there's a spark in everything um, mm -hmm. that's around us, like in every rock and flower. And we need to find, like our responsibility is to find the divine spark that is in the world around us. So we have to do all of these things. We have to um, pray to God in the middle of the forest or, you know, this very different idea of spirituality while also practicing Judaism that comes across with this movement. Um, so there's a lot of lot to discover with Judaism besides the basic that I covered here and a lot of uh, history as well. So if you're mm. at all interested, uh, there's a lot to, to find out basically. Um, and there's a, and I know that this is about spirituality and religion is connected to that as well, but you know, the mysticism spirituality side is a big part of Judaism as well. And you can find that even if traditional Judaism doesn't always seem that it has that. Mm, mm, that's a great point. Thank you for including that. Yeah. Um, and actually, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you. I remembered what it was. Um, oh, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned that you give a lot of um, educational resources, like books. Um, are there any resources off the top of your head that you would like to share with the audience? And I can link to them as well. Oh wow. Um... So I recently read this book called uh, A History of the Jews by Paul Johnson. Um, and it's a very thick book and it's actually written not by a Jew, but he writes so well um, the history of the Jewish people and just giving that outline understanding of from the point of Abraham or from the point we can basically know and prove what did Judaism become over, over time, excuse me, and it's super interesting. Um, so that'd be like a basic thing. I mean, if somebody's interested in conversion, there's a basic book called How to Be a Jew um, that John, Jew. oh, sorry, To Be a Jew, um, and the, which John used for his own conversion. Um, it's a rabbi named Donan. Yeah, Rabbi Donan. Okay. So I think that would be like, two basic books to read. Um, and if you're interested in Israel history, then uh, anything that Michael Oren has written is really great. Uh, he 
is a, is a historian, but he was also um, a diplomat, um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, to the US from Israel or, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he also became a member of Knesset, so that's a meaning he was in the Israeli government. Uh, and now he basically does public speaking. So he's a great resource just because he has the political knowledge on the ground that he himself experienced. And also he is a historian too. So I read a book about the six day war, which is a really important book to understand the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think it's called literally the six day war, six days of war. Um, and I really recommend that as well as like a basic understanding of, of Israel too. Uh, you might need additional background, but he's a great he's a great source as well. Mm, thank you for all that. I wrote all those down. Those will be linked in the show notes for people to click on and check out. So thank you. Perfect. Um, Yay. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and ask you our closing questions. The first one is, what would you tell your younger self, knowing all that you know now? Um, don't be worried. Mm. Um, when I was we'll share about something else about me. Um, when I was younger, um, so my, my parents got married late. My mom was 37, my dad was 47. It was their first marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. And they didn't know if they're gonna have kids. I was their firstborn and they had three more after me. Um, yeah. So I, I have three younger siblings as well. But ever since I was young, I was really nervous about not mm-hmm. getting married late. Um, mm-hmm. And I got married uh, it's tr- almost 24, but it was like 23 and, and 11 months. Um, and so, you know, and, and I would so tell myself, don't be worried. Also, you know, I got married in the end, but also I'm very happy with, with the life that I'm on. I think that I, I, I used to get very nervous, meaning if I had mm-hmm. something the following day, I wouldn't fall asleep. I would sleep like an, an hour during the night. And I just yeah. think, you know, calm yourself down, go to sleep. You know, even if it's not exactly what you wanted, it will work out well in the end. Um, you know, you'll make friends, you'll, you'll find the person, you'll, you'll, be, you'll find your passion, you know, just yeah. encouragement and, and putting down that stress, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, and what would you like to learn or what do you hope to learn from your future or older self? So I hope my future self could do the same thing with me now. <laughs> Um, because now um, I have this job, right, that I know I'm doing for another year, and then I don't know what I what what job would be afterwards. Like I can't yeah. define. Oh, I would like to work in this place or that place. I know the field that I'm passionate about, but I can't define exactly what job exactly that would be for me. I would love to be independent and do teaching in some capacity, but I don't know if that's the next stage right now. So mm-hmm. I guess for my, I would like my future self to, again, calm me down and, you know, tell me that kind of things worked out, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, we settled down, you know, yeah, something of this sort, whether it's job or family or, you know, where we're living and everything, kind of that things fell into place also from this point forward. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, and how do you connect with your higher self? Um, so I was kind of trying to define when you asked me that originally, I was like, okay, what does that mean um, for me? So I think for yeah. me, it, 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 the higher self is forgetting about the worries or like the, the, the you know, my day-to-day things that bother me, I guess. Yeah. And just the higher self is just, you know, that, that spiritual self, right? The person who's really focusing on being calm and connecting to the energy and positivity, spirituality around. So mm-hmm. I think for me, the big way to connect is Shabbat. Um, right? The minute mm-hmm. I put my phone away and I know that for the next 25 hours, I don't have to work. That is such a huge help because my brain, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a totally like a, multitask female that I'm thinking of 50 things at once. Uh, mm-hmm. So it really helps me turn off my brain, even if mm-hmm. it, will, it will come on again t- towards when Shabbat is ending. Um, yeah. It definitely allows me, also the Jewish holidays as well. Like when a Jewish holiday comes in, the same disconnect happens. It really allows me to much easier connect to that higher self because mm-hmm. I don't have distractions. 
That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, such a beautiful answer too. Uh, and the last question is, um, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? Um, so I kind of, during our conversation, I was writing down notes to myself. Um, mm. And I mean, I think it means to me, um, like your belief system and like not being afraid of what you believe in living by that religion, the spirituality, the belief in God, you know, having it be a part of your life, um, mm -hmm. being empowered by it. Meaning that for me, as I was saying, it's a framework, it's a structure of how I live, but it also, you know, empowers who I am and empowers um, my lifestyle, the way I see, you know, my values, um, my job, the way I educate, you know, all of these things, uh, I guess that's how I would see empowered spirituality, meaning that how, how the spirituality, how the religion, how the belief in God kind of mm -hmm. makes me who I am in the world. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a beautiful answer. Uh, and before we close, how can people, how can people find you and, and get to know your work and what you do? Uh, so I have a blog called netabashlicha.com. Um, so it's, I basically started it while I started this job. And the idea was to share about my experiences that I do here, what this job even looks like. Um, mm. But I am much more active and available on my Instagram. My okay. Instagram is just Netta Asner. Um, so N-E-T-T-A-A-S-N-E-R, just like that. And I know it's linked as well. Um, but I really post there often I'm probably on there more often during the day than I should be <laughs> um, and I, re I really like the platform so perhaps I might um, branch out to other platforms in the future but um, that's where you can find me and reach out to me. Awesome and before we end is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity it's been so fun and in a way it's um, so healing and meaningful to be able to share about yourself and talk about your life and open up that way and kind of explain yeah. the basic things of who you are. Uh, yeah. Just because it, it, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it makes you realize why, why you do what you do and what makes you special. Um, mm. and, it had, and, and honestly, I think you just made my day. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You are such a, a warm, um, warm, you just exude warmness and light. Oh. So I, I, it's been an honor to just sit with you for the last hour or so. And also I wanted to tell you, you hold your voice with such a beautiful confidence. Um, oh, and it just you. is an honor to listen to you as well. And I, I'm sure people listening will agree. Uh, and I thank hope, you. I hope so. I, I, I worked a lot to get there. I used to my I used to swallow my words and uh, I was not mm. so confident. So you saying that was very meaningful right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Especially as women, it's so hard to find our voice and stand true yeah. to our voice. Exactly. Uh, you're doing a wonderful job. Um, and thank you for the emotional labor too of explaining so many things and for opening yourself up in so many ways. I think it's really going to touch a lot of people's hearts and make a lot of people feel seen. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you so much, Netta, for what you shared about Judaism, your vulnerability, your emotional openness, all the things, everything that you did for us in this incredible episode. Thank you from my heart to yours and from all the listeners' hearts as well. Um, I think that we all learned so much. Um, so thank you. If you liked this episode, please head over to wherever you listen to your podcast and give it a rating and review. And of course, if you didn't like it, you can also give it a rating and review. I'd love to hear any feedback. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. You can give me feedback there as well. Um, you can receive more of my offerings on Instagram as well as on my website empoweredspirituality.online where you can work with me and learn more about me. Oh, thank you so much Netta. As always everything she mentioned will be in the show notes including all the awesome books that she referenced um, as well as her blog and her Instagram. Thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste. 
It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empowered spirituality.